Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Um, so, I had a great week this week, and I got to tell you guys, one of the highlights of my week was my community group on Tuesday night. Uh, as we've been going through this, yeah, word. Hey, there's some of my peeps. What up? <laughs> that was my shout out. <laughs> um, so, uh, so turn to somebody next to you and tell them what community group you're in. And if you're not, or you find out your neighbor uh, is not, you can tell them where yours is or invite them or say, man, you got to get to the help desk and be a part of community groups because that's where we do life together. And uh, I know it's been powerful um, this month. So turn to somebody next to you and tell them, blah, blah, blah. go ahead. So you guys can trade addresses later, and now that you guys know each other, you can hang out at the picnic together and eat food, you know, it's fun stuff like that. So we're, uh, we're continuing this conversation we've been having for the last couple of weeks on stress. We have one more week after this one, and uh, today we're kind of jumping, jumping in on a different angle, uh, and just kind of review the last couple of weeks of this, you know, the underlining question that we've been really working on is, is, is stress just inevitable? Is, is stress just part of the human experience that every so often uh, in our lives, you and I are just going to be deeply stressed? It's just going to come about and it's going to happen. Or is it possible, is it possible stress is more about how we decide, to, you and I decide to navigate those moments in which are disappointing, are out of line with what our plan is? Uh, and what we had hoped it to be. And could it be, could it be that the stress that you and I experience, God never intended to be a part of the human experience? That there's this opportunity to navigate some of the hardest moments in our life and not be stressed. So that's what we've been working through. It's been interesting. It's been exciting. It's been scary at moments. Uh, some of these revelations we've kind of gotten, and God's word's really been speaking powerfully um, to me and all of us through that. So that's where we're going. We're going to keep kind of working our way through there. Um, I moved out here a year and a half ago from Arizona, and in Arizona, it's the desert, but if you've ever flown in Arizona, you'll see it looks like a big pond because everybody has a pool, like every single house has a pool, which eventually I call it a bath because it gets warmed up enough to where it's not even comfortable. Uh, so um, I have some friends there, Jay and Lynn, and they have uh, two kids and a younger boy named Jake. And you have a pool. Uh, safety is really important. They need to teach Jake how to swim. So they're working on trying to get Jake swim, and he's just not having anything to do with it. You know, he's real scared, real nervous, but it's really important with the pool. There's so many drownings over there because they're just not educated and you know, the fence lock and all that stuff. So it's a very big deal. They're going to have a pool. Jake needs to learn how to swim. So uh, they, they didn't just get him swimming lessons. They got a swimming teacher, a professional swimmer person to come to their house and to teach him in his pool so he'd be more comfortable to come there and have, you know, sessions with him in an hour time. And it is going great. Jake is learning how to swim. He's having a blast. He's loving the water. I mean, he's like swimming all around the pool, perfect strokes, everything, when the swim teacher is in the pool. But as soon as the swim teacher is out of the pool, he's like, on the side. 
hanging on for desperate life, wants to stay in the shallow end, scared, really stressed. So one day, Jay and Lynn, his loving parents that are full of wisdom, went up to him and Parenting 101 said to Jake, Jake, we really need you to swim. We need you to go to that side of the pool and touch it and come back. And if you do that, I'll buy you a son's jersey. Bribery, Parenting 101. So can you do that for me? Right there and back, we got you a son's jersey right now. Jake, no. No. All right? Parenting 201 kicks in. Jake, we need you to swim to that side of the pool and back here. And if you don't do it, you're not going to eat for the rest of your life. (laughs) Swim. Jake's answer, no. No. Parenting 301. So Jay gets down to the edge of the side of the pool and squats down. Says, Jake, you're not going to understand what I'm about to do. Just understand that I love you and it will be okay. (laughs) He picks Jake up and goes into the deep end. (laughs) Going crazy. Three seconds later, right up to the top of the water, right to the edge, out of the pool. Jay's like, that's what's up right there. See, I knew you could do it, son, right? That's right. Good job. Jake looked at his dad with that look that was like, you just wait until I'm older and bigger than you and you are asleep. And goes inside to his room, closes his door and gets all mad. And Lynn, his wife, goes, Jay, what were you thinking? What? I was there the whole time. I wasn't going to let him drown or anything. I was there with him. And he got thrown into this crazy deep end and was so, so mad about it. But he did a great job. See, um, I've I've had a conversation with a lot of you guys out in the lobby or during the week through the office, and uh, this question has come up along, you know, saying, you know, Larry, I I think I've been landing this conversation. You know, I'm getting it. I understand what you're saying. It's, you know, it's it's really good. But what, what do you do what do you do if you feel like the stress in your life is God-given? What do you do then? Not that you're out of line with it, but that God's putting that stress in your life. Would, would God do that? Would he bring this issue of stress into our lives to me? Would, would, would he ever purposely put stress in my life? And we ask ourselves that question today. Is our, is our heavenly father the type of father that would throw his kids into the deep end? Is our father that type of father that would throw his kids in the deep end of the pool? Would God do that to us? And the answer, absolutely. Absolutely he would. See, he's going to do it in those moments when we're on the edge of the pool and, and he's going to squat down and say to us, you know, we, we have been having this conversation for long enough. You need to go out. We've been, we've been going through this for long enough. It is time to swim in the deep end. You've got to learn how to swim in the deep end of the pool. In those times in our life of stubbornness. So we say, why, why would God? When? When would God do that in our lives? In moments of stubbornness in our lives, in moments of stubbornness. It's those moments that we say, 
just out of stubbornness, we blatantly know that what we're doing is against what the scripture says. Things in our life, maybe one thing. When we say, you know, I I get it, I get it, God, I I get it, I'm not supposed to do that, but you know, I'm just, I'm here and it just kind of happens, it's the world we live in, no. Mm -mm. No. It's that, it's that, uh, it's that girl who's sleeping with her boyfriend, because if she doesn't, he'll leave him, leave her. You know, God, you know, today in this world and day and age, you got to live with each other beforehand and you got to sleep with each other. Just, that's the age we live in. That's just what happens. Don't you understand kind of like evolution, however that works? That's what we're supposed to do. So God in this area, I mean, I know, I know, I know you say not to do that, but in that area, God, no. Mm-mm. No. It's that guy who in the middle of the night is, uh, is on the computer looking at stuff, saying, you know, God, I mean, I work high, I like it, I deserve it, you know, uh, I, you don't know what's going on, and it's just, I'm good, One, I mean, I'm comfortable, church, church is home to me, and it's comfortable, um, but this is just my thing, so in this area in my life, God, if, you know, it's pornography, no. It's uh, that gal who has a group of friends, and you know, God, I mean, I know it's gossip, and we don't really talk that bad about a lot of people, I mean, but it's just how we kind of interact, and that's how we communicate, and we're kind of candid, and we kind of go at it. I know, I know that isn't great, but, you know, that, that's my friends. I mean, that's just who we are. It's all fun, right? N- no. Or uh, that person, um, you know, God, I, I get it, but it kind of helps when I abuse alcohol. It's in, it's in those moments that we shouldn't be surprised when our Heavenly Father squats down to the edge and says, I love you. You might not understand this, but it's going to be okay. And throws us into the deep end. We're going to get into uh, a couple different passages today. We're going to start in Jonah. I'm just going to do a quick review of Jonah. We spent a couple weeks in it. For those those, there's uh, many of us who are very familiar with that. If you're trying to find Jonah in your Bible, basically go to the middle of the Bible or Matthew and go backwards like 20 or 30 pages. It's small. You can miss it. Um, so Joan, Jonah is a prophet of God. And God tells him very clearly, asks him, says, you need to go preach to the Ninevites. You need to go tell them that what they're doing is, is not right and it's going to get real bad real quick if they don't change their ways. And Jonah very specifically says, no. See, the reason Jonah does that is because he despises this people. He loves God so much and he hates how, how, how these people are treating God with just carelessness, uh, the way they're acting in their life. Uh, an utter defile of God and who he is, that he's like, hey, I've actually been praying that you would like wipe them out. Not that I would go and be able to preach and tell them, you know, repent and that they can have salvation through you. No, no, no. That is, that is not me. God, no. No to the point that Jonah turns and does a, an opposite direction of where the Ninevites are. Uh, turns away and starts headed to Tarshish. 
and it's going the complete opposite direction. If you look at a map, it has to go to a port of Joab to go uh, across some water to get there to Tarshish and uh, pays a toll and is now running from God. Not only is he saying, saying no, he's saying, I went out of the pool. I am uncomfortable with what you're trying to do with me right now. So now he's on the boat. He's headed that direction. And uh, he's told the, the guys he's with, you know, yeah, I'm running from God. Like, um, he wants me to do something I do not want to do. I'm not interested. And a, a wicked, crazy storm comes up. God makes a wicked storm come up, and the boat uh, is, they're just having trouble keeping that thing floating. To the point that they start throwing things over, all of their cargo. Uh, the cargo's up. It's still not helping. Now it's like bait and tackle, anything. They just want the boat to float. They don't care how they get there. They just need to get it float. They want to get anywhere. This is uncomfortable. Jonah comes up, and they're ready to start throwing lots. Who's going overboard? Like, this thing has got to be floating. We just want to live through this thing. What is going on? Someone has made God uh, very upset. What is the deal? Who's done this? And, uh, and so Jonah says, ah, guys, it's, uh, it's me. Um, it's me because I've been saying no to God, and it needs to be a yes. And I don't want to. I'm stubborn. So they're like, oh my goodness, what do we do? So he's like, well, the only thing you can do is you, you have to throw me over. You have to throw me overboard into the deep end. And I got to go for a big swim. And uh, they, they said, no, we don't want to do that. And they said, no, let's try to row back to land. So they tried rowing back to land. As they could, they weren't getting anywhere. It wasn't, it was, the situation was not getting any better. So finally they said, God, please forgive us for this. We feel like this man is innocent, but, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do to save ourselves. And they threw him over into the deep end. And Jonah went for a swim. He was in the deep end. His no needed to turn into a yes, and he had some major learning to do. And so God sent a big fish, a big whale, and swallowed him. Does anybody else think that's weird? No? I'm not the only one raising my hand? All right. Okay. So it's weird. So <laughs> a big old fish eats him, and it's kind of gross. Uh, and he gets swallowed up by this fish, and uh, he's, uh, he's hanging out in this fish for a couple days. And, and he's, he's saying, uh, God's saying, when you say no, when you say no to me, I am going to pick whatever it takes to get your attention. And it happened to be a fish and a big storm. We see this a lot in parenting. You know, we have a 13-year-old, and we're like, hey, uh, go clean your room. You know, it, look, works, it look, looks like an episode of Hoarders or something. You can't even see the ground. You don't know how they even live in there. It smells bad. You can't put enough baking soda in, in the corners. I admit, please clean your room. Uh, it doesn't happen. No, I'm good. You know, like, my room's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll do it later. I'll do it after this. I'll do it after this. Okay, if you don't clean your room, you're not even allowed to sleep in there. They're like, whatever. I mean, we'll have a slumber party somewhere else. It's all good. I'll, like, sleep on the couch or with... Uh, with my sister, and we'll have like a slumber party. So if your parent, if your parent worth your salt, you'll say this, clean your room or I'm taking your cell phone. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't need to use that kind of language with me. I mean, I didn't do it. Why would you do that? I didn't do anything to abuse my cell phone. I didn't, I didn't do something. You t- I, didn't, I didn't make any international phone calls. Or anything else you told me not to do? Why did you do that? And you'd say, look, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get your attention. And I've got it. Clean your room. <laughs> right? 
So we might be saying, no, 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 God. I mean, I, I, know I've, I know I've been disobedient in my relationship. I know I have. Um, um, but why, why are my finances tanking? Why are they going down the drain? Because God says, I take your finances because I know it'll get you on your knees the quickest. I know it'll get your attention. Throw you in the deep end to learn through it. Well, well, why wouldn't you just mess with my relationship? Well, maybe because it won't get your attention. Maybe because you'll band together and be stronger and be like, yeah, God's against us. We're together and we know what we're doing is right because we think it's right. And then you push him out of the way and he says, I know that'll happen. But I know that this, if this happens in your life, that's going to get your attention. And you're going to be like, wait, wait, wait. What's going on? What, what am I saying no to that needs to be a yes? See, Jonah, he spends three days, three days in the belly of a fish. I can't even imagine what that smelled like. Three days in a fish. And I'm sure still part of that being a fish was stubbornness. You know, like, I'm done. He kind of let it go. I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, I, I disdainly do not want to go do that. that. Doing that, going and preaching to those people is like the antithesis of who I am. It's not going to happen. And so he's done for three days in the fish. Three days he spends in the fish, and it says this in Jonah 2.9. It says, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. So finally, his no is becoming a yes. Okay, okay, I understand. It needs to be a yes. And the learning that came from that, that was in that situation. And it says this in verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's disgusting. <laughs> you know, to me, God in this moment is saying, hey, you know, you, you've, you're in the deep end. You learned from this. You said, I'm done. All right. And you had to learn from that and work through that. And then God said, okay, good. Back on track. Let's get you back on land. Let's get you headed the right direction again. And what a powerful, powerful picture that is of repentance. Jonah going the direct opposite of where God had called him to go to Tarshish and then being thrown into the deep end and turning around and heading back the way he did not want to go, the way he was not going. See, repentance is doing one thing, heading in a direction and realizing that it's not good and it is wrong and turning and doing a 180 and going back the right direction. Powerful, powerful picture of repentance in that time. Some of the stress in our lives, we could probably say if we're honest, we know what it is. Jonah knew what it was. If we were sitting uh, around a coffee table, you know, with Jesus and you were there and someone said to Jesus, hey, um, what's the one thing that your child's doing that you wish you could change? You'd know the answer. If you were really honest with yourself, you'd probably know the answer to that. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're just saying no to that maybe needs to be a yes. Our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father is saying to you, you might not, you might not get this right now, but I love you and we've got to learn to swim. We've got to learn to swim.
And there are other, are there other times in life uh, when Jesus would throw us or God would throw us into the deep end? Yeah, there's other times. Those times are when we stop growing, when we're done growing, when we still are comfortable being a toddler Christian, when we're still a toddler spiritually, when, when we're sitting on the edge of the pool, hanging on and saying, I'm good. I don't need to go out there. I have just enough God in my life to make things good. I feel comfortable, but I don't have enough God in my life. I know God. Um, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to have any kind of major sacrifice Uh, or, you know, raise the bar of how I live my life. When we stop growing, when we say, God, I'm done, I'm good, are times that God will throw us into the deep end. You see it in uh, Romans, if you want to turn with me to Romans 8.28. A lot of you guys, some of you may be this your life verse. Uh, It's a very familiar verse to a lot of people, especially in stressful times. Romans 8.28, it goes... um, Acts and Romans, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Um, uh, so if you want to turn to Romans 8, Romans eight twenty-eight, It says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Yes! That's exciting. We know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We hold on to that. That's a stronghold. That's exciting. Yes, you are stressed. Don't worry. One day you will be a millionaire, right? The stocks will turn around. You're going to have a fantastic retirement. Don't worry. You will be debt-free because it will just happen if you love him. All good things will happen. It doesn't say what those good things are. We don't read a lot of times the next verse. We miss this in verse 29, the next verse. For those who God foreknew, he foreknew us and predestined us. He decided for us that he would conform, that we would be conformed to the likeliness of his son. Whoa, 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 time out. You're going to love us and good things are going to come to us. But what does that look like? It looks like you turning more into my son. You looking more like Jesus. He didn't say he was going to make us prosper. He didn't say you're going to be comfortable all the time. He said, I'm going to conform you. I'm going to like twist you and mold you and conform you into the likeness of my son, into Jesus. What does that look like? When I'm done with you, you're going to look more like Jesus. And that, friends, is the win. He's saying that's the win, that's the promise, that's the purpose. That you will look more like Jesus when I'm done with you. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to look more like Jesus? Well, we've talked about this before, but you ask yourself, what am I, what am I devoted to? Am I more devoted to, you know, bricks and stones and mortar and have my love more into that than I do my Lord? You know, do I love my girlfriend or my boyfriend more than, more than I love my God. Looking like Jesus is being a humble servant. And that Jesus died without two pennies to rub together. What does that look like? It's not to say, you know, that's how we're all going to be. But he's going to conform us to look like him when we stop growing, when we're, when we're going to be a toddler Christian, when we're going to hang on the edge of the pool. Uh, how, many, how many of you have, have gold jewelry on? Earrings or rings or... 
couple people have that. Cool. It's worth a lot. So now you know who's got that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can put them in the boxes in the back. No. <laughs> Uh, gold, how gold's made, pure gold is made um, by uh, refining it. They, they, they take it and they boil it down. They heat it up to where it melts, and it melts in this big old pot. And uh, to make pure gold, what happens is gold is filled with impurities, with just stuff and junk that makes the gold together not as valuable uh, as when it's pure gold. The, the value is exponential compared to gold that has lots of impurities into it. So when they boil this down... What happens is the gold is heavier, so the gold all goes to the bottom, the pure gold, and the stuff, the junk, is dredged up and, and lifts up to the top, the impurities. And it's sitting on the top, and what they do then is they take like a trowel and they scrape off all the stuff on the top, and now you're just left with pure gold. Now, inevitably, some of the gold comes off with that. And that's what God's saying, when I'm conforming you, when, when I'm making you into the likeliness of my son, is that... Sometimes there's stuff in your life that I've got to dredge up, that we've got to bring up to the top and get rid of, out of your life, so it is purest the likeliness of my son, Jesus Christ. And, and in doing that, you're going to lose a little bit of the gold. Sometimes we lose a little bit to gain so much, lose a little bit of the bad to get so much more of the good. The worth of you becoming more like Jesus is worth more than what you're losing. God's saying in, in these moments, if in the deep end, and, and, and when we need to grow in our spiritually, he's saying, I will teach you things. I will grow you more than you could have ever grown in these moments in your life. But I couldn't have done that if I hadn't melted you. If I hadn't melted you and dredged up that stuff and let it raise to the top or put you in the deep end. If I had not brought those things in your life that, are you ready for this, brings stress to you and me. Is it possible that God has tossed you into the deep end because you need to learn something? Is it possible that you're in the deep end or in a stressful moment or have been in stressful moments because you need to learn something? That's when we grow the most. Pressure makes diamonds, right? The things that are stressing us most out in life, most likely, is you and I learning to swim. See, the the deep end can be really scary. It can be super scary. If you and I understood the moment when God was throwing us into the deep end and we could trust that God was going to get us through that time, Do you think it would be possible to thank him? That's a tough place to be. I I mean, I can only imagine Jake as he comes out of the pool and looks at his dad. Thanks, dad. Now I know I can do it. Oh, man, that was scary for a minute. But look at me. I'm like accomplished. it. I did it. That's what we think. Man, look at you, bud. You did it right on. Instead, he's like, heck no, I hate you. Why would you put me through that? But he'll never forget that moment for the rest of his life when he was in a bad situation and he conquered He got through it and he learned that he could do something. What if if we knew what God God was doing? Now we know what God's doing and we looked at it that way. God, teach me what I need to learn. Thank you. Says this in Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Whoever corrects a fool invites insults. Whoever rebukes the evil person incurs abuse. 
Do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Who are you in times of stress? Can we be wise and say thank you? Can we be wise and yet be wiser? Or are we the fool that insults God? Says, why? why would you do this? Who are you? A prayer that you guys can say this week. You can wake up every morning and start your morning with a simple little prayer that says this, God, how do you want to love me today? And who do you want to love through me? How can I share my story? God, how do you want to love me today? And who do you want to love through me? How do you want to love me today? What are you going to teach me in moments of stress? And not stress. And who do you want to love through me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.